God's salvation power secures the redemption of every single one of those persons who will ever believe. No wonder Paul can say, I'm not ashamed of this. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's death, His burial, His resurrection from the dead, and with it, God's power to effectually bring the message of that very good news to my hell-bound state is not just for me only, but for everyone who believes. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. You're about to hear part two of the five-part series, The Revealed Righteousness of God. In this series, Pastor Lance Quinn deals with one of the most important short passages in the entire New Testament. Christians must keep Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 very close, because it focuses on two crucial aspects of the Christian life, not ashamed and the righteousness of God. Since we believers have been declared righteous by God, we ought not to be ashamed to proclaim this fact openly. Here's part two of The Revealed Righteousness of God. Don't ever let anyone tell you in Christian theology that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes salvation possible. It doesn't just make salvation possible, it makes it actual. It actually happens. It secures salvation. It brings it about. God brought it to fruition. He completed it in the cross of Christ. That's the power of God. That's what you and I need to say when we know we have a witnessing opportunity. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of what God has done in my life through the truth of His Word that has brought about salvation in me as are other wonderful believers who are attesting to the same thing all the way back to this beloved Martin Luther and even millennia before. It is the power of God. Paul himself. I'm not ashamed of that. It's the power of God for salvation. And notice the next phrase. Salvation to everyone who believes. Now this is, this is phenomenal. There is both universality and particularity here. Or maybe we should say it like this. God's power secures the salvation of every single one of those who will ever believe. Isn't that glorious? God's salvation Power secures the redemption of every single one of those persons who will ever believe. No wonder Paul can say, I'm not ashamed of this. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's death, His burial, His resurrection from the dead, and with it, God's power to effectually bring the message of that very good news to my hell-bound state is not just for me only, but for everyone who believes. And by the way, believes, you see it there in verse 16, believes, has as its verbal idea present tense continuous action. It's not just a one-time believing. It's not just a one-time believing act in Jesus Christ. It means a continual believing. And that means that the power of God brings salvation 
to everyone who is then characterized as being in the state or the category of continual believing ones. By the way, this also may comport very well with what I told you about who the you are in verse 15. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You remember we said, uh, what is the sense of that? Because if he's writing to believers who are in the church at Rome, why is he eager to preach the gospel to believers? Why do we need to preach the gospel to believers? Aren't we supposed to preach the gospel to unbelievers? Believers have already received the gospel. So why is he saying, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are already believers, if that's what he means? Well, he's endeavoring to teach the Roman believers, that is, those who have already been believers in Christ at their initial point of salvation with this glorious truth, because we need the gospel to be preached to us as believers every day also. Jerry Bridges wrote a wonderful book in which he had some profound statements that affirmed that, and I absolutely agree with him. The believers in Jesus Christ need the gospel to be preached to us every day. The essence of the gospel, the realities of the gospel, the atonement of Jesus Christ in the gospel. We need to be reminded of that every day. What Christ did for us. And I think he's seeking to show the Roman Christians that no matter what happens, that when they go out for the sake of the name, do you see that in verse 5? Paul says, for whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. That's gospel preaching, that's missionary zeal, that's planning and establishing churches. It's all of the above. And they, like Paul, do not need to be ashamed of anything. He says, in effect, yes, I'm eager to preach the gospel to unbelievers for their initial salvation, but I'm also unashamed to tell believers about the salvation they already possess in Christ because they need to understand that it is the power of God for salvation to absolutely everyone who believes and who keeps on believing. Now, you said, Lance, that there were a universal dimension and a particular dimension to it. And I did, and I've already alluded to it. The particular dimension is restricted, as he says here, to the believing ones. Notice, Paul could have very easily said here in verse 16, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone, period. And we might have concluded... Had this been the only statement we've heard from Paul, the only other statements that we might hear from Paul in other places, other epistles, other writings, that he was a universalist. That the power of God for salvation is for everyone. Because there's no qualifier here. There's no restriction here. But that's not what he does. He says it is to everyone who believes. And that is why I state to you emphatically that there is no atonement of Christ By Christ, no sacrifice, no propitiation, no substitution for someone who doesn't believe the gospel. There isn't. There is no one in hell who willingly believes and therefore there is no sacrifice by Christ for them. His atonement does not secure their redemption. If there were a satisfaction of divine wrath on their behalf, they would not be called unbelievers, but believers. 
But since according to Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, including the sin of unbelief, and according to John 3.18, unbelievers are said to be condemned already for their unbelief, the power of salvation by God is not effectual for those who aren't believers. And that is why we call it, Reformed theologians call it, particular redemption. It is particular in its scope, in its design. Or if you prefer to put it in Paul's own explicit words here in Romans 16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And if he wanted to, he could have said, and it isn't for those who don't believe. You say, but wait a minute. It says everyone who believes. Yes, it does. But grammatically, the everyone is restricted to the phrase who believes. Everyone who believes. It's defined, the everyone, by the believing ones. This is not my language, but Paul's own words. You say, but I thought you said there is universality here as well. There is, and I rejoice exceedingly in it. I rejoice exceedingly in it. Notice what Paul says again. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Notice this. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's Paul's universal application of the powerful salvation of Jesus Christ as to its offer. There it is. It isn't merely restricted to the Jews. It isn't just something that God is doing in saving the Jews. Yes, it's first for them. The gospel had its germ form to the Jew first. That's why Jesus said, I have only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You remember? And we were reminded by our dear brother, Dr. Joel Beakey, last Sunday night, that even the Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman, said, yes, but even... Gentiles might be able to receive some crumbs that fall off of the table. Yes, it started first with the Jews, but in God's marvelous, redemptive plan of salvation, it included not just Jews only, but also for those who are not just Jews, Greeks or Gentiles, if you will. And that's why he says in verse 13, I, I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, non-Jews. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Now he's even slicing the difference of who all the Gentiles are, to the wise and to the foolish. This is not just some kind of Jewish salvation in Christ. It's going beyond that. There were only two classes or groupings or categories which Paul could possibly cite. And he says that this power of God to redeem men is first preached to the Jews. And then this gospel pervades outside even the Jewish nation. And it captures the hearts of Gentiles also. And he says that's what I want to do. And he tells the Roman believers, I want to teach it to you, and then I want you to launch me as a missionary all the way westward to Spain, because this is my message, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. 
This offering of the gospel then has a, has a universal aspect. The good news of Christ is to be preached to all men. And those who see it for what it truly is, the good news will do so because of the power of God. You can't, you can't understand the gospel. You can't receive the gospel. You can't obey the gospel. You cannot respond to the gospel unless you are first touched by the power of God. The power of God. And anyone who has knows, like Paul, that they will not be ashamed and will by that same power believe and continually believe and thereby prove all along that the atonement of Christ has been planned from eternity past to actually secure you and me and all other believers from every tribe and people and tongue and nation. And there's your universality. And that's why in the book of Revelation it says there's, there's a group of people that no one can count. It's like the sand of the seashore. Oh, this universal offer. It's like Isaiah 55. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and drink freely. But it's only effectual to everyone who believes. You say, well, is that the way it really was? Yes. Look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 11. I want to show you this. This is, this is so true. It's first to the Greek, yes, and then to the Gentiles. Notice this. Even from the earliest part of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11, verse 1. This is the sense of Romans 1.16. It has to be. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea, that's, that's where it all began, all of that region, heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. Now you would assume that one of their initial reactions to that would be, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is not good. Why? Because salvation is of the Jews. They would be resistant to this, folks. This is not a good thing. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. You see, I told you. I cheated. I read a little bit further. Saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. I'm kosher. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. And if it's a voice from heaven and it's really God, it has changed and you better get along with the plan. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction no distinction between Jews and non-Jews. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. 
As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I love verse 17 and 18. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? God has a plan. And it includes not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. Verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. God has a plan, beloved. And that plan from eternity past includes not just a Jewish salvation of those whom God says they are my people, but also Gentiles as well. And they're saying, well, we rejoice in it then that God has granted. By the way, don't miss that. God grants repentance that leads to life. You want another one? John 11. You remember Caiaphas? A very interesting way for truth to be spoken through Caiaphas John 11:49 but one of them Caiaphas who was high priest that year said to them you know nothing at all this bickering and the plot to kill Jesus nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people not that the whole nation should perish he did not say this of his own accord But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Notice this, folks, very important. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Oh, it's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the nation of Israel. And I think that may very well be a perfect parallel passage for 1 John 2 and not for our sins only, John the Jew, the Apostle says, but also for those of the whole world. It's also for the unbelieving Gentiles. God will reach out and He'll save even the Gentiles of the unbelieving world. He'll, He'll pluck them out of the unbelieving world in His sovereign plan and He will bring them to His kingdom safely. Now, let me ask you as we close. You praise God for this. I hope you should because most of you in here are not Jews. You, like me, be Gentile. And that plan included our own salvation. You praise God for the salvation plan which He has masterminded. Do you acknowledge that only those who believe will be delivered from their sin. Do you believe? And are you in a continual state of believing in Jesus Christ? That's the only kind of biblical believing there truly is. You see, if you say yes to these truths, then you give evidence that you're not ashamed of the Gospel. That you've embraced the Gospel. And that you want to spread the Gospel far and wide. You're like one of those candidates that he talks about in verse 5 to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. You're like one of those that wants to take Bibles around the world. You're like one of, one of those who wants to take the gospel message around the world in whatever ways God designs. 
You've been blessed. And even as believers, you hear this this gospel that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And you say, I'm one of those believers. And you're reminded again of the great power of God, His salvation plan. And it included the plan that included you and me as Gentiles. And there's no other response but praise God. Praise God. Praise you, Father. But if not, I plead with you. I plead with you. I alluded to John chapter 3. Don't, don't respond this way. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned... But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true, comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. It's the difference between heaven and hell. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Don't be ashamed. Repent now. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in His death and His burial and His resurrection from the dead in the great and grand power of God. And as Martin Luther said, as he saw Romans 1.17, that place in Paul that was truly the gate to paradise. Come to paradise today, right now. Let's pray together. Oh God... Our sovereign God, we can only believe, we can only believe if you grant us this power, if you break through by your dynamic force and deliver us, oh God, do that work even now. Shatter hard hearts, bring lowly mournful creatures to their knees and then lift them up, encourage their souls, set them as wind to sails so that they may be unashamed as they see the power of Yourself at work in their lives. Oh God, I pray. I pray that none of us, even as believers, continually trusting in Jesus Christ, would tire of hearing this powerful gospel and preaching it to ourselves every day. May we respond and thank You for the atonement that has been secured to everyone who believes. Thank You for what You have done not only in our lives, but in the life of this man, Luther, so that his and our lives and others, even this morning, could be shown the gateway to paradise. We glorify Christ in His name. Amen.
You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. As believers, do we often meditate on the fact of what we have in the gospel, the good news? That good news is God's salvation power offered to us, to Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, as a gift to everyone who chooses to follow His Son, Jesus, in His sacrificial death on our behalf. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. If you'd like to learn more about Timeless Truth Today, visit our website, timelesstruthtoday.org. In addition to learning the background and purpose of this outreach ministry, timelesstruthtoday.org offers a large audio library of Pastor Lance's teachings. On the homepage, select Broadcasts, and there you'll access the entire audio library, including this series. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Lance continues with part three of The Revealed Righteousness of God. I'm Matt Williams. For Timeless Truth Today, thank you for listening.